Hello, and welcome to the Translation Company Talk, a weekly podcast show focusing on translation services and the language industry. The Translation Company Talk covers topics of interest for professionals engaged in the business of translation, localization, transcription, interpreting, and language technology. The Translation Company Talk is sponsored by Hybrid Links. Your host is Sultan Ghaznawi with today's episode. Welcome to this episode of the Translation Company Talk Podcast. Today we will be discussing business opportunities and challenges for language translation companies in South America and the Caribbean. To speak with me about this subject, I have invited Charles Campbell, who knows this region very well and is a founding member of a regional language services association. Charles Campbell is the founder and president of the Translation Back Office, a leading provider of project management, translation, and localization services with offices in Argentina, Peru, Thailand, Ukraine, and Vietnam. Originally from New Zealand, Charles has traveled widely over four continents and has lived for the past 20 years in South America. Charles has been a frequent speaker at public events and conferences, having made presentations in New Jersey, Buenos Aires, London, Rhode Island, San Antonio, San Francisco, Wiesbaden, Lima, and Cordoba. Charles has published two articles in Multilingual Magazine on the future of localization industry and also authored an article on vendor management in the ATA Chronicle. Charles Campbell has a Bachelor of Arts degree in Spanish from University of Auckland, New Zealand, where he graduated top of his class in 1997. Charles has also completed postgraduate courses at Harvard University and the Universidad Austral and Buenos Aires, Argentina. Charles, welcome to the Translation Company Talk podcast. Thank you. Pleased to be here. For those people listening to you for the first time, uh, please introduce yourself to our audience and share with us a few words about your background. Sure. Um, my name is Charles Campbell. I'm originally from New Zealand, although I have been living in uh, Latin America, specifically Argentina, for almost uh, 30 years now. So I'm, I guess I'm more Argentinian than then I am a New Zealander. And uh, New Zealand, uh, to give you an idea, is kind of like Canada with a warmer climate and amazing beaches. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> well, I would say Canada is also pretty good. But let's talk about your um, story. You, you've been in uh, Argentina for about 30 years. Why don't you share with us your story and how you started your career in the language space as part of that? Well, it's very interesting. Uh, I did my degree uh, in Spanish at the University of Auckland in New Zealand. Uh, and I graduated and I, uh, I skipped the graduation ceremony and came back immediately to Latin America to stay for a year and, and see what happened. And here I am, like uh, it's been literally almost 30 years, I think, this month. So here I am. Uh, I'm in Argentina. I'm in a city called Cordoba which is in the middle of the country. Cordoba is a, has a very strong export-oriented economy. And, and I originally started out uh, in the language instruction business for the first three years and then transitioned into translation. Uh, and in about 2004, stopped language instruction entirely only to begin with language instruction again, strangely enough, the, 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 the circles of life uh, last year. 
Um, so in terms of translation, uh, I've been doing translations personally since the mid-1990s, and the company that I founded is now in its 17th year. Congratulations, that is a career in itself. So when you take a look at uh, the rear view mirror and see how this industry has transformed and changed since you started working here, Charles, what stands out to you? What are some of the major events that you think about and, and think that those were significant to you? Well, I mean, there's many war stories and, and funny stories to, uh, to tell people along the road that for younger uh, people in the audience, may seem quite peculiar and for older uh, listeners they're going to say yeah yeah I had that too for example um, we, we used to get faxes sent to us to translate and they were so hard to read or a fax of a fax or a fax of a photocopied fax I mean it was just <laughs> my gosh uh, <laughs> hard work uh, I remember translating something and the client said, I know it's difficult to read, just put unintelligible in brackets every time there's something unintelligible. So I, I delivered a whole page of unintelligibles. Anyway, <laughs> um, I can also remember the days when we would get FedEx boxes um, full of translations that were shipped to us from clients around the world. I do remember one arriving soaking wet uh, so yes, many many war stories from the from the old days. Um, one thing I can say is that every two or three years we seem to get this kind of doomsday feeling that creeps up on the industry, on the translation, localization, and interpreting industry, where you, uh, people start saying things in a very foreboding manner. For example, 15 years ago it was, oh. All translators are going to have to become glorified post-editors because translation is going to become part of history with machine translation. Simply hasn't happened. Another one was uh, translations will be replaced by machine translation entirely. Simply hasn't happened. And the latest one was uh, that the pandemic was going to wipe us out and that there wasn't going to be another work, enough work. And, you know, I know that on-site interpreting took a hit. But document translation and remote interpreting grew during the pandemic. And now more recently, uh, it's the new chat systems. Are they going to replace us? I don't know where, where all this kind of foreboding talk comes from, but it's, uh, you know, we've survived all these different turns along the road. And I think that's just natural parts of business as we evolve, as we learn new technologies. Uh, translators have been around for thousands of years, and I really don't see us disappearing anytime soon. But it's amazing how every couple of years people start stirring up talk uh, as if our, our profession or volume of work uh, were under threat. And I simply don't believe it. I think there's a huge amount of work and that the drivers behind the creation of this work are very, very strong. So times are good. In preparation for this podcast, we were talking and you mentioned uh, Vamos Juntos earlier. Tell me more about it. Uh, tell me why now that is a significant event in your career and, and why is it important to you? Gosh, well, uh, Vamos Juntos is a conference that is being organized in Rio de Janeiro uh, for March 24 and March 25, which is actually only three weeks and one day away. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Um, we've been working on it for months. Um, Vamos Juntos is being organized by Juntos, 
for juntos in Portuguese, which means together in both Spanish and Portuguese. It's just pronounced differently. Juntos in Spanish, juntos in Portuguese, which means together. It's the Association of Language Service Providers um, of Latin America and the Caribbean. And we created this association myself and several other individuals from Mexico, uh, Peru, uh, Puerto Rico, and Brazil with the intention of bringing the, uh, the industry, the translation, interpreting, and localization industry in Latin America and the Caribbean together. We felt that the industry was very disparate, very atomized. People didn't even know what was going on in other countries um, in a way that is totally different from, for example, what happens in Europe or North America, where the Canadian and American industries uh, are very uh, connected. In Europe, you have very long-standing associations on a national level or on a, on a regional level that, that organize events and bring people together uh, so that they can learn from each other, they can mentor each other, coach each other. In Latin America, that type of organization until now has been non-existent. There's never been a, to the very best of my knowledge at least, an association or an event that has gathered translation, interpreting, and localization companies from Latin America and the Caribbean together to discuss their common issues, challenges, share ideas, uh, break bread, get to know each other, and find more about what's going on in our region of the world. So that's why we created the Juntos as an association to represent the industry in Latin America and the Caribbean to um, encourage cooperation, raising the standards of the industry, raising the bar, help create national associations, for example, in Mexico, Colombia, Peru, uh, and other countries where there are currently no national associations like you have in Canada or the US or Spain or Germany or other countries. So it's been a lot of work. And in order to kickstart the whole process, We've organized Vamos Juntos, which is an on-site, not virtual conference beachfront in Rio de Janeiro so that we can all get to meet each other. Whole bunch of people who don't know each other gathering to talk about translation, interpreting and localization. About that, uh, I've invited you today to talk about the business climate for LSPs in South America and in the Caribbean nations. How is the atmosphere for localization and translation services in that part of the world? Well, I can speak on a general level for the region. Uh, I can say that it's very busy, very busy times and good business with many local challenges related to um, uniqueness of Latin America and the Caribbean as a region where you have um, very strong-handed governments in some countries, governments that lurch to the left, that lurch to the right, democracies under threat, economies that are opening up, economies that are closing down. You've got it all in Latin America. And well, you've got it all in other parts of the world too, you know, the war in Ukraine and, and so forth. But Latin America faces a unique number of challenges. A significant number of translation, interpreting, and localization companies in Latin America, especially in Argentina and Brazil, have become more internationally export-focused in recent years. The reason why, I believe, is because the local market has become so chaotic that as a question of survival, they have reached out uh, to offer their services as world-class um, translation, interpreting, and localization providers to companies and clients around the world. So you have a very um, 
export-oriented, internationalized industry in Argentina and to a certain degree Brazil, and then the rest of Latin America, the, I'm, I'm generalizing big time here, there is tends to be a more, um, a greater focus on the local market. So what we're trying to do with Vamos Juntos is to bring everybody together and to share these experiences so that um, in the countries where they're currently very domestically focused, they can perhaps see about opportunities to go more international. And in the, in the countries where uh, companies are currently very export focused, perhaps learn from other examples in the region about developing your local market more. So it's very exciting. You mentioned that they have, uh, there's no uniformity. There are economies opening up, there are ones that are closing, there are all kinds of issues. So what are some of the unique and regional challenges that LSPs have to confront today in South America and, and the Caribbean? Well, where to begin? First of all, I think that it's important to say that the market is healthy, the, the industry is healthy, and that everyone I talk to, uh, almost everyone is doing very, very well. Uh, so that that's the tone that I think in where we're seeing across the board. In terms of local challenges, uh, they're very specific to each country. Um, but of course, inflation is a big issue throughout Latin America, throughout the world. Um, dealing with uh, government procurement departments is also a big issue in Latin America. Unfortunately, it's very, very difficult to get government work, which is a very significant part of the income stream of translation companies in Europe and in North America. There are many translation companies I know in the USA, Canada, and Europe that focus almost exclusively on government work. That would be very difficult to do in Latin America. So government work is less important, which means that uh, translation, interpreting, and localization companies really have to go out there and look for business and, and view the globe as, the, as a global market. Um, no fear, I, I believe, is the approach. Um, I'm not personally an expert on what's going on on the ground in Mexico or in Puerto Rico or in Colombia, and I'm really hoping to learn more about these markets precisely at Vamos Juntos in three weeks' time, where we're going to have speakers from almost every Latin American uh, country and also from North America and Europe. It's going to be a great opportunity for us to get to know what's going on in the other markets. Because I mean, if, you've, if you've ever been to some of the larger conferences in the translation industry in, in Europe and uh, North America, you will have seen a lot of people from Argentina uh, at these events and to a lesser degree, Brazil, but very few people from the rest of Latin America. I'm sure that's going to change. I'm sure there's going to be a diversification and growth across the board. I'm sure that we're going to see the creation of more national association, for example, in Colombia and Peru and Mexico. I cannot believe it uh, that there's no national association of translation, interpreting and localization companies in Mexico. So these are all things to be done, lots of work to do, and lots to learn from each other. So um, I myself, you know, I've been in business since the 1990s, and I have a huge amount to learn about the very region that has been my uh, bread and butter, the focus of my personal career and so forth, even though the company I preside, Translation Back Office, 
has grown into other regions such as Southeast Asia and Eastern Europe. Latin America is still our, our origin. And I can't believe it. There's so much I don't know about these other countries in my own region. Of course, you know, we're not James Bond. We don't travel to five countries in a week. But I think we're lucky to be in an industry where travel can be considered an investment. Let me ask you to talk a little bit further about these companies uh, or LSPs in this region. They are all facing all kinds of problems. But if they can't solve these problems by themselves, you you named a few of them, for example, dealing with government and so on. I'm sure you see a baseline, basically all of them having similarities in terms of the problems they're facing. Do you think an industry body or association can address such issues collectively? Well, first of all, as I said, it's a positive mood and a positive climate. So that's what we need to start from. Um, so Vamos Juntos is all about positivity. Uh, sharing ideas. I don't think it's going to be a moaning, groan event. But uh, there are universal issues that I'm not sure that Juntos as an association will be able to, to change. For example, uh, corruption in government procurement in some countries in the region. That's not something that Juntos is really going to be able to change. But it is time to put Latin America and the Caribbean on the map to raise quality standards, to raise the bar, to encourage the adoption of codes of ethics, to encourage increased adoption of quality norms, quality standards, such as ISO, ASTM, and so forth. So I think there's there's a lot to be done and a lot to be learned from each other. But it is important to realize that we're just starting out. We're a new association. Some of the associations in North America in Europe have been around for 20 years. I think there's one in the UK, ATC, that has been around since 1980. So obviously there's a, there's a long road to be covered for Juntos. And uh, I'm excited, but I recognize that there's a lot of work to be done and a lot to be learned. And there's some things that we won't be able to change quickly at all. Uh, they may depend on, on wider societal trends, But the outlook for our industry is very positive, and uh, the, the number of problems that we face that are common in, in Latin America and the Caribbean are, are far more uh, evident than the problems that are unique to one country. I think we're, we're very much... Um, Very much all in the same boat. Uh, the market in general, uh, what is the interest level in this market from non-regional or non-local LSPs, uh, for example, from North America or Europe? Uh, how are they interested? Are they offering their services in the region? Well, I think there's a very strong connection between North America and Latin America and the Caribbean. For example, Puerto Rico is part of the United States, even though it's also part of Latin America. Um, Mexico is, is, is in North America, believe it or not. Um, It's funny, uh, sometimes people think that Mexico is in South America, which is, of course, completely incorrect. Uh, there's a lot of interest, a lot of people in the translation, interpreting and localization space in the United States have some kind of connection to Latin America. Maybe they were born in Latin America, they were in the military in Latin America, they were missionaries in Latin America, they lived in Latin America, whatever. It's amazing. Um, the, the degree of connection. In fact, the Association of Language Companies of the United States just recently, one month ago, organized its annual unconference in Costa Rica in Central America. So the connections between the regions are, are strong. For logical reasons, connections with Asia are weaker simply because Asia is further away. Um, 
but um, I'm certainly believe that bridges will be extended to an increasing degree in, in, in future years. There's also a very strong connection to Europe because, uh, well, Spain and Portugal colonized Latin America, and um, that is why Spanish and Portuguese are by far the two most important languages in Latin America. And that, that makes for strong connections too. So I believe that it's, it's not a 100% globally integrated industry, but, but integration is growing. There are also many translation companies from Latin America that have a branch in Spain or Portugal or in the United States. And there are many um, big, especially big international uh, translation and interpreting companies that have offices, particularly in Argentina or Brazil or Chile. So uh, the, the opportunities for cooperation, integration, sharing of ideas, learning from each other are basically unlimited. Charles, I know that there is a, a good concentration of LSPs based in South America, predominantly in Argentina and Brazil, as you mentioned earlier. Um, you talked about how they're struggling with local issues and so forth, but how much of their business actually comes from the local markets versus how much is exports related? How much of that is sold to foreign markets? It's difficult to say. It's difficult to say. I mean, no one has actually collected statistics on this to the best of my knowledge. What I can tell you is that the industry in Latin America is like an iceberg um, where you can only see a small part of the industry, which is hyper visible, especially the Argentinian companies. Um, and there's a very large rest of the iceberg under the water, which is there, but it's just not visible. And uh, that is predominantly the industry in other parts of Latin America, for example, I don't think that there are fewer translators per capita uh, in some countries compared to others. Maybe Argentina has more translators than other countries because it has a long-standing translation tradition. But in, for example, the population of Argentina is about 45 million. The population of Chile is just under 20 million, if I'm not mistaken. But if you if you go to an international event, you'll find I don't know maybe 10 or 20 Argentinian company representatives and nobody at all. Chile. And that doesn't mean that the, 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 the Chilean translation industry is non-existent. It just means it's less visible. So I think that events like Vamos Juntos are going to help companies and people within the ecosystem in, in Chile, Uruguay, uh, Peru, Ecuador, Central America, Mexico, etc., come out of the woodwork, so to speak, and become more visible and play a more prominent role, at least in terms of what the rest of the world can see. Now, um, this is directly related to how much they focus on their domestic market. For example, in Chile, uh, their, uh, the economy is very uh, internationally focused. Uh, they export, uh, everything they produce is exported. They have very strong trade ties with the entire world. So translators are often employed in-house at uh, big corporations. There are several uh, LSPs in Chile, um, but they, they, uh, their business is nurtured by that domestic market. Uh, whereas in Argentina, the local market is so up and down that a lot of Argentinian companies, not all of them, but a lot of them have chosen to focus on uh, global clients uh, as a more stable way of guaranteeing a, a steady revenue stream. And it varies from country to country. Brazil would be somewhere in the middle, 
where historically the local Brazilian market was extremely strong. In recent years, companies have started to look abroad more. Mexico would also be in the middle. Um, so it's very interesting. I think we're going to see a lot more activity, a lot of companies that will just pop up on the radar. And, and it, won't, it won't be companies that were born yesterday. It will be companies that have been around for 10 or 20 years. It's just they popped up on the international stage recently. Let's talk about the client-side aspect of translation and localization market in South America and uh, in the Caribbean nations. So when you look at clients, um, what type of buyers exist in these markets? So you mentioned governments earlier, but uh, I'm interested to learn more who else is buying translation. Obviously, there is a gap to fill for translation localization. Is it a problem that only local LSPs, for example, can solve? Or uh, And also, what is the role of industry bodies or association in filling that gap? Well, um, to answer the first part of your question, obviously, uh, depending on different parts of Latin America and the Caribbean, which is an extremely vast region, you'll have different uh, industry focuses. For example, uh, almost everybody in Mexico at some stage or another in their career has done a translation for Pemex, the uh, state-controlled or state-owned oil company. And that's just it's just a fact. Pemex has been right. needing translations uh, for, I don't know, 50 years. And it's a, a bigger employer of translators and, and it also uses a lot of services of translation companies not just in Mexico, sometimes in the United States too. So there are a lot of opportunities. It just depends on where you are uh, in Latin America. Um, obviously, in some parts of the continent, tourism is a big driver of uh, translation, hotel websites, uh, government uh, tourism department websites. In other parts of Latin America, for example, in Argentina, especially in Buenos Aires, there are a number of clinical drug trial companies uh, pharmaceutical companies that particularly in the pandemic have increased the number of translators and project managers that they employ. Uh, so, uh, in, for example, in the west of Argentina and Mendoza and also in Chile, there's a whole um, group of translators uh, that are specialized in the wine industry and get to drink wine uh, every second day and and translate uh, the wine labels and the wine brochures, you know. So it all depends on, on where you are in this. I mean, sometimes people forget that Latin America and the Caribbean is a very, very vast uh, region. So when you think, you know, Napoleon went from Paris to, or he tried to go from Paris to Moscow uh, in the early 19th century, Paris to Moscow is like uh, Cordoba to Rio de Janeiro. And then there's like four times more length of Latin America than just that distance. Um, if you want to drive from Tierra del Fuego at the bottom of Argentina and Chile, all the way up to the border between Mexico and the United States, it would take you, I mean, unless you drove extremely fast, it would take you a couple of months. Uh, so it's a very vast region. There's not a very strong level of infrastructure integration. You know, like in Europe, you get on a train and you go from Paris to London. You know, there's no such equivalent in Latin America. The, the capital cities, the big cities are not internationally well connected, um, which is a shame. But of course, distances are just so much longer. Uh, that's a challenge. That's a challenge for us. You know, uh, airfares between Argentina and Brazil, several hundred dollars, even though they're right next to each other. But that's just part of the rules of the game.
This podcast is made possible with sponsorship from Hybrid Links, a human in the loop provider of translation and data collection services for healthcare, education, legal, and government sectors. Visit hybridlinks.com to learn more. I see a lot of uh, LSPs from South America and recently from the Caribbean as well as members of associations uh, or represented very well in um, association conferences in North America, primarily in the U.S. market, as you talked about a little bit earlier. Do you think that these associations uh, address their specific needs, their regional needs uh, and beyond networking opportunities? Well, I mean, uh, every association has its own mission and its own objectives. I really enjoy working in Juntos, learning a lot, and I do believe in the objectives of the association. I believe that the objectives are uh, good for the community and the ecosystem, but they're also good for me uh, on on a personal level and on a business level, and I'm getting a lot of enjoyment out of it. And, And I do see a lot of people in Latin America um, working closely with international associations. For example, Rosalind Famous from Puerto Rico is on the board of Juntos, and she's now also on the board of the Association of Language Companies of the United States. I see a lot of people attending uh, events in North America and Western Europe from Latin America. And I also see a lot of interest from North America and Western Europe in events being organized in Latin America. For example, the Association of Language Companies had its unconference in Costa Rica. It was uh, widely talked about as being the best or one of the best uh, conferences ever. Everyone seemed to really love it. Um, And at Vamos Juntos in Rio, we have a number of speakers and sponsors coming from the United States, Canada, and Europe. Um, So, and a lot of people have told me, uh, you know, I want to be there in 2024, can't make it this time. You know, maybe you should have organized the event with more advance notice, point taken, uh, and, you know, uh, count, count me in for 2024. So I see a lot of interest. I think that the, this interest will grow over time. Uh, you know, it's a global industry. It's, uh, we're selling globalization. We're selling localization. We're selling translation. We're producing it. Um, you have a client in Cincinnati, a translator in Quebec, a project manager in Argentina, a desktop publisher in Colombia, and you know maybe the client itself is split in different cities. It's a it's a global industry. I I do believe in local clients. I do believe in supporting your local community. But I think that the translation industry, by nature, has gone global a long time ago, and the the, the drivers that are behind the work are very uh, global too. For example, in, the, in North America, the growth of refugee and immigrant communities with ling- limited English proficiency, uh, the drive for language access is creating a lot of demand for interpreting and translation, for example. Uh, globalization of corporations from the, the so-called developed world pushing into emerging markets around the world uh, drives the demand for translations into Vietnamese, into Portuguese, into simplified Chinese, into Turkish, and so forth. Uh, if globalization were not happening, um, which is absurd, um, then the demand for translation would be very minimal. Globalization isn't new. I mean, Marco Polo um, traveled halfway around the globe hundreds of years ago. 
Um, international trade is, is not new, but it certainly has picked up pace. And now um, air travel and you know tourism, families split up around the world. You know, my uh, father lives in Hawaii, my mother lives in New Zealand. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, and I live in Argentina. And uh, you know, th this is just a, a trend that I think is going to continue and continue. And, and it makes for a very healthy, dynamic, passionate, and interesting industry. Charles, for those LSPs that are uh, planning to enter the market or they want to start up in South America, what kind of challenges do they expect? Is there some sort of a guide available to them to walk them through the process, the red tape and so on? Well, I don't think there is a guide. Um, unfortunately, it's not that easy. <laughs> Starting up an office in a new country, wherever that office may be, is very hard work. For example, um, in the United States, setting up a business, it's very easy to create a business, you know, 24 hours, 48 hours, you created it. But then dealing with your, your state taxes, your federal taxes, uh, the legal component of doing business in the United States is proportionally much more complex than it is in other countries. And in each country in Latin America and the Caribbean, there's different rules of the game. Uh, different things you can do, different things you can't do, different things you shouldn't do. Um, there's a lot to bear in mind. It's not an easy region. I don't know what parts of the world are easy in inverted commas per se. Maybe Holland, the Netherlands, you know, New Zealand, the, the, the countries, Norway or whatever, that are at the top of the international rankings of easy to do business with. Latin America is is not an easy place to do business. Uh, there's a lot of challenges. And I think that anyone who wants to set up an office should think very, very carefully about it and about the medium and long-term commitment that would involve. That said, there are many, many uh, translation and interpreting companies uh, from North America and Western Europe that do have uh, small branches or medium-sized branches in, in Latin America. In the Caribbean, sometimes for different reasons, sometimes because they want to sell locally, other times because they want to produce locally, um, more often than not because there's some kind of family connection. And if there is a family connection, that can make things a lot, lot easier. But no, there's no single resource that I'm aware of that you can just open up and read about starting a translation company in Latin America. And I think it's true that a lot of people who are in Latin America would like to be somewhere else, like, I don't know, Sweden or uh, Quebec or Seattle, uh, that's a reality, you know, uh, people are talented people, experienced people are on the move uh, around the world uh, and the general trend is to move north to uh, countries where living standards are perceived to be higher. Um, you know, that that's, uh, that's a trend, I, I'm, I don't think uh, I, I need any specific statistical information to support that, but you can see an ongoing trend of immigration, for example, from Latin America to Spain, Portugal, and the United States. But that's healthy for the industry because that's people uh, creating jobs, moving capital, creating links. Uh, I think it's all it's all part of the mix. Charles, let's focus on the Caribbean uh, area and the many rich cultures and languages that are represented across that massive part of Earth. Uh, what are their specific, unique uh, issues and, and challenges that they have to deal with, which is different from South American countries? Well, generally speaking, the markets are smaller 
um, and there are several company, uh, countries sorry, in the Caribbean that are basically poorer than other parts of Latin America and North America. And it makes for a difficult local market, um, a challenging local market. We only have one uh, member of the association at this time from the Caribbean, which is Roslyn Famous, who's on our board and she's from Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is kind of an unusual case because it's also part of the United States. So the problems that Puerto Rico faces are different in, in certain ways to the problems that the, the Dominican Republic faces uh, or Haiti faces. Uh, Haiti, for example, is, according to the United Nations, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. So that makes for huge challenges. Um, nevertheless, there is a lot of demand for Haitian Creole translations. So there's opportunities everywhere. I'm not an expert in the Caribbean. I haven't actually been there except on vacations. But I'm hoping to learn at Vamos Juntos in Rio in three weeks' time more about uh, what's going on there. And, and I'm sure there's going to be many problems that are common to us all and other problems that are unique. While we're at it, uh, let me ask you about what kind of international challenges uh, exist for um, companies, you know, within South America and in the Caribbean that associations of language companies such as Juntos could address. I mean, getting discounts for other international association events or conferences is it's one thing. It's a good thing. But what about more pressing issues like making payment methods such as PayPal available to companies in parts of all of these, this market? Uh, what about lobbying and so forth? Yes, I think lobbying I, with the government is a medium and long-term objective, and it's going to be very hard to identify where to apply the limited resources of the association, because obviously government is on a, on a country by country basis. More than lobbying, I think that the main challenge is to raise the bar of standards in Latin America and the Caribbean, so that Latin America and the Caribbean has a different image a better image, I think the image of Latin America and the Caribbean is great. It's far better now than it was 20 years ago. When I started out, everyone would say, well, but are you going to deliver the translation on time or are you going to deliver the translation mañana? There was this, this is kind of ingrained stereotype that Latin Americans never delivered on time. You know, that, I think that's, we've, we've passed that. That's, that's, that's ancient history and we're at a totally different level of development now. Um, so I'm excited and I think that associations, I mean, Juntos as an association is really going to focus on raising the standard in terms of promoting the industry, organizing events. At these events, people are going to network, they're going to mentor, they're going to coach, they're going to benchmark, they're going to improve their companies, they're going to improve themselves. and grow and grow in the right direction. And I think this is going to really help reposition, gradually reposition the industry so that we can charge more and be valued more and be on the map. Um, this is my expectation. This is my hope. Um, and this is what I'm working towards. With regards to the general purpose of an association or an industry body, do you feel that with uh, better representation in the form of an industry body or association like Juntos, for example, 
LSPs and the market can find better opportunities and increase their business. I mean, there are associations that exist only by name and do not really serve any purpose beyond just existence. How should associations be delivering value to their membership? Well, it's like that uh, Uncle Sam poster where I think it says something like, you know, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Something like that, like the association if you see an association that is representing you and isn't really representing you, then get involved. That's what I would say. Um, Juntos is a new association, so we're not quite at that stage of problems yet. We're just trying to get off the ground, get financially solvent, get it, uh, grow our membership, organize events. But I do believe that there may be there may be some associations out there that have lost. Um, their energy, but I haven't been to any association events in recent times where I've come out of them saying, gosh, that wasn't as good as it used to be. It just hasn't happened. I see events getting better and better in North America, uh, in Western Europe, and and, and I expect uh, out of Amos Juntos and Latin America too. I think that people are who are organizing these events are hearing the feedback and, and they're they're, they're perfecting the process. Um, and in terms of associations, I don't see any moribund, defunct associations out there. Uh, somebody at the Association of Language Companies Conference in Las Vegas last year on a panel said there are too many associations. Well, I guess that's up for each individual person to decide where they want to spend their membership uh, money. You, know, you can't afford to be a member of 20 different associations. That's true. Um, it's up for each individual to decide where they want to contribute. And I don't think necessarily that you have to do everything at the same time. For example, if you have a vocation for public service, you could be on the board of your local national association or on a committee for a few years. And then you could volunteer to be on a committee for the Association of Language Companies and leave your responsibilities at your local association. And then at some point later in, the, later in your career, maybe you'll be asked to be on the board of, of another association from Europe and, and so forth, and you evolve over time. Obviously, if you want to do everything at once, you won't get too far. And there has to be volunteers that make these associations motor along. Uh, if it weren't for the volunteers, there would be no events. Uh, very few people that are behind the scenes in the translation, interpreting the localization industry, organizing events, uh, organizing um, seminars, webinars, conferences. Very few of these people are actually paid. Almost everybody is a volunteer. Um, and almost everybody I know gets a lot out of it. Every now and then I bump into someone who says, I stopped going to events, I'm sick of them. Uh, okay, okay, cool, that, that's fine. That's You know it all, you, you, you've learned everything you need to learn, um, but I'm not there personally yet. Zooming out of that picture for a moment, uh, Charles, do you think that does South America and uh, the Caribbean market, do they offer potential for business for foreign companies so they can form better partnerships with local LSPs? And uh, if so, what are those opportunities? Well, I think there's many opportunities. It's, I'm, you know, as I said, I'm not an expert in every single Latin American country, but uh, until very recently, Latin America was growing at a faster rate uh, than, than other economies. And... Uh, seems to me that there are many, many different opportunities. Um, interpreting, for example, is totally underdeveloped in Latin America. Sign language interpreting is 
totally, totally underdeveloped, shamefully uh, under underutilized, undersupplied. It's uh, it's appalling, and I think that there's an immense opportunity to um, promote language access as a right, and also as good common sense for corporations. So as a right on a government citizen level and good common sense for businesses too. Uh, I do remember Don DePalma's book where it said something like, can't read, won't buy. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, so the, the opportunities out there are enormous. Um, and I think that there's gonna be steady ongoing growth for uh, translation, interpreting, localization companies from Latin America, in Latin America, and also opportunities from, for companies from elsewhere around the world in Latin America. And I also think that companies from Latin America will grow in opportunities in other countries too. There's gonna to be a lot of intertwining and intermeshing, uh, maybe not that's a word, uh, in, in, in our industry in times to come. Charles, I'm going to ask you a question that you probably have never been asked, but it's existential and important in nature. With climate change and a rapidly rising ocean level, how can LSPs address the communication gap in this very important part of the world? Uh, how can associations such as Juntos, for example, help save lives by uniting translation suppliers? And what is our role in fighting this global catastrophe? Gosh, that is a big question, and I have never been asked it before, but I will endeavor to give you an answer. Um, it's a very, very big problem, and uh, the emerging markets in the world are the ones that are the slowest to adopt climate change policies. For example, electric cars are far more common in Western Europe and North America than they are in Latin America even though it's Ford and General Motors and Toyota and, and other companies that are manufacturing both car, both types of car in both, both regions. So it, it's true that emerging markets have a lot to play in terms of uh, reducing carbon emissions. That said, the technology that is being developed to make these changes is primarily being developed in developed markets. Argentina, for example, has huge lithium reserves uh, for lithium car batteries and uh, also big wind farms. Chile has big solar energy farms. So there is a lot going on. Um, but nevertheless, I do believe that people in North America and Western Europe are more aware on a day-to-day -day basis of the environment, specifically climate change, as compared to people in emerging markets. I think it's something to do with the pyramid of needs uh, as described by Maslow and that um, I'm not gonna say it's a rich person's problem versus a poor person's problem, but in Latin America, 50% um, of the population is poor or under the poverty line, generally speaking, this varies from country to country. So climate change can often seem like a bit of a far off thing. Translation companies, well, they need to focus on sustainability. I think that uh, associations have a positive role to play in terms of encouraging sustainability, uh, reducing emissions, reducing use of, of paper. Uh, that said, you know, when we get on a plane and we go to an international event, we're a long way away, so we're burning a lot of carbon there. Uh, there's a lot to be done. I don't think that climate change 
is the priority in Latin America at this time for translation uh, and interpreting and localization companies, or and, and nor it is a priority really for the associations because most of the associations are new. They're still getting going. They're still gathering members. They're still getting their finances in order. But I think you've raised a really valid point. And honestly, I will walk away from this conversation thinking about our responsibilities in this regard and, and how we can pick up the, the gauntlet that you've thrown down. Um, it's difficult to see perhaps how one little small translation company can change the world. But you know, we are in the business of communication. We are in the business of words. And words are very, very powerful. Uh, so we've got to find a way. Charles, let's talk about economics in this market. Uh, you mentioned earlier about uh, how some economies are closing up, some are opening up. There has been a lot of volatility, in particular in countries such as Argentina, for example. How can LSPs find support in handling local issues in this market that were created by the downturn and the post-COVID economy? What is the role of their associations, such as Juntos, uh, for example, or other associations within the region? Uh, to, to help them deal or mitigate risks associated with the economy? Well, the funny thing is, is that demand for uh, linguistic services, whether it be translation, interpreting, or localization, has not gone down at all. It's gone up. So there's no slump, per se, after COVID. And for many people, there was no slump during COVID. The, the, the obvious exception would be interpreting, on-site interpreting which suffered badly. So I don't see any kind of economic downturn or bad times. What is happening and is universal to all sectors of the economy is inflation. And that hits translation companies hard because uh, there is already a scarcity of linguists, depending on which language the scarcity can be either critical extremely critical uh, or just moderate, but generally there is a scarcity of linguists. And if you add in inflation to that mix, eight, 10% inflation per year in US dollar terms, it means that there's uh, a lot of flux within the uh, translation production of the industry. Translators wanting to earn more logically, uh, and riding on the back of the demand for their services, wave, uh, pushing for more, and clients saying no. <laughs> so you they hit loggerheads. And I think that associations have a positive role to play in terms of encouraging companies to endeavor to charge more to their customers so that they can pay more to their employees and pay more to their contractors uh, rather than being the ham in the sandwich where they're squeezed from above and squeezed from below or squeezed from the left and squeezed from the right. If everything is increasing, translation companies will have to increase too. So I believe that associations do have a positive role uh, by antitrust norms, associations cannot and should not set prices or anything like that, or even discuss anything related to setting prices 
but they can encourage people to stand up and make their voices heard, uh, adopt quality standards, improve the standards of the industry, the quality of the industry, the reputation of the industry, reposition the industry in the region so that it means that it will be easier for local companies to charge more and then be able to pay more. Uh, I think that that's a, a reasonable argument. Uh, our companies have evolved, they've grown, we offer more, we provide more, we're better than we used to be, we deserve more. Now, it's up to each company to, you know, to have that talk with their clients. Some clients might say no, some, and you might just have to walk away. Some clients might say yes. Um, other clients might say, you know, there's 10 just like you waiting to do this work, Charles. You know, I don't need you. There's going to be all types of reactions. But if you don't propose a change, then you won't get it. Charles, uh, how do you see the potential and outlook for this market going into the next 24 to 48 months? Uh, do you see that there is a forum where these topics are discussed? Well, um, not much at the moment because Vamos Juntos is going to be the first uh, regional event in Latin America and the Caribbean uh, ever face-to-face -face, uh, focused on uh, translation, interpreting localization companies from this region. So uh, I think that the, the debate will be uh, lively and, and active and fun and interesting in Rio and it will continue thereafter. Um, Right now, a lot of people are debating on their own, but when you debate on your own, it's more like complaining than actually getting out there and getting things done. Uh, so I think that yes, debate will continue and, and you know, it's difficult to say what will happen in the future. I don't have a crystal ball, but uh, I'm very optimistic. As we reach the end of this conversation, let me ask you about your thoughts and advice for LSP leadership in South America and in the Caribbean end generally around the world, uh, what would you tell them? Um, well, it's very difficult for me to offer advice. You know, I'm just the, the founder of one small company uh, in a whole ecosystem. I'm not the president of Juntos. I'm just on the board as a founding member. Um, so I don't, I, it's not my place to preach. But uh, what I just said about raising standards, raising the bar, repositioning the industry also applies to your own individual company and to yourself personally. So that would be the general guidelines that I would encourage people to to look at. That was a great conversation and I must say I learned quite a lot about the South American and the Caribbean language services marketplace. Uh, Charles, your insights and, and thoughts that you shared are greatly appreciated by the podcast and our industry, I'm sure. With that, I hope we can do this again sometime and let me thank you for your time today. Sure. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it too. It was great to talk. Time flies when you're having fun. Okay, it's time for my roundup of the interview and my analysis as to what has been discussed. As the world is becoming more accessible, I think that South America and the Caribbean countries will be very attractive in the form of a young labor source for the language industry representing a talent pool that is highly efficient and familiar with the processes and technology used in translation and localization. 
The proximity and location of this region also makes it an appropriate choice for North American and European companies to work with companies in this area because of time zone advantage besides many other factors. Organizations such as the Association of Language Services of Latin America and the Caribbean or Juntos as it's known are important as they will bridge the link between the regional LSPs and with associations that are abroad and defining a baseline standards for quality of service for organizations within this region. That brings us to the end of this interview. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Charles Campbell and hopefully you were able to learn about this market enough to think about business in this region with LSPs based there as well as about the Association of Language Services of Latin America and the Caribbean, also known as Juntos, which is hosting their first ever international conference on March 24th and 25th. Make sure to visit their website at www.juntoslatam.org or www.juntoslatam.org. Don't forget to subscribe to the Translation Company Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your platform of choice and promote this episode by sharing it on social media, giving us a like or thumbs up or adding your comments. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned for our next episode.